0: During the pandemic, renowned food writer Ruth Reichel grew concerned with the fate of small farmers, ranchers, and chefs who were struggling to survive amidst a host of challenges. Thanks to the industrialization of food production, big ag consolidation, and a food policy promoting the unrelenting pursuit of cheap food, the food system was seemingly broken. And the pandemic was bringing the issues to the fore in a big way. So Ruth teamed up with filmmaker Laura Gabbert to delve deeper and to profile innovative producers finding ways of tackling these systemic challenges. Like Rima Seal, who is transforming her restaurant business into a worker-owned collective. And Will Harris, who turned his family's industrial operations in Georgia into a regenerative farm, White Oak Pastures. Andrea Nuth is transitioning her Nebraska family farm into an organic one and Brent Smith, a former commercial fisherman, now farms kelp and other sustainable products. To learn more about these change makers and their documentary Food and Country, we speak with Ruth and Laura next. Welcome to In the Business of Change, where we speak with social entrepreneurs impacting their communities and the world. I'm your host, Elisa Birnbaum, publisher and editor in chief of Sea Change magazine. On today's episode, we speak with the acclaimed food writer Ruth Reichel and filmmaker Laura Gabbard about their new documentary, Food and Country, which had its international premiere at the Toronto Hot Docs Film Festival. In our conversation, we discuss the history behind the broken food system, the innovators trying to fix it, and lessons learned for those looking to create a more sustainable and healthy system in the future. When I started watching this the documentary, I I started wondering. Like I knew the pandemic had inspired a lot of thought on these issues, the challenges facing um, the food system, the fact that it's broken. Um, but even like in, in the film, you you sort of go back through history, how this all started years and years ago, like the broken food system and the the cheap food and and um the consolidation of big ag and and industrialization of of, of production, um, all those kind of things and and other issues. But those were been going on for years and years and years. And I was wondering. Was it truly the pandemic that kind of spurred this for it? Or do you think that there was something recent, even before the pandemic, that is making things even more challenging?
1: No, I I think you're absolutely right that this is not something that started with a pandemic. Um, It was just something that was revealed to the public in a way in the pandemic. I mean, the thing that started this off was going into grocery stores and seeing empty shelves for the first time yeah, and thinking, oh, maybe this is the moment when Americans will realize that they can't take their food for granted. But you know, these issues are things that have been, well, as you, you see, I mean, it was like government policy yeah. at the end of World War II, and it's just been um, getting worse every year yeah. and um you know, a lot of it has to do with the corporatization and I think our um, misplaced sense of values mm-hmm. uh, where profits are King and we don't take into account all of um, the collateral damage that we're doing with these policies. Yeah. you know I mean the idea that we have cheap food, Yes, it's cheap when you go out and you're paying for it from your pocket. But the truth is if you take in all of the the real costs, cost to our health, the cost to our communities, the cost to the environment, it's not cheap at all. And that is um, you know, that that has been happening for, well, I'm 75 and it's been happening for all of my lifetime.
2: Yeah. You know, the other thing that I think is interesting about the food industry is those agribusiness companies are sort of invisible yes. right because they all make a number of different brands and so you don't sort of have that feeling of like oh all my local bookstores are closing but I have to, I'm buying everything on Amazon now right it's like I don't think people really understand I mean I think even um Ricardo Salvador I don't it's not in the film but at one point he said to you Ruth they're invisible to the consumer in a way so we don't it's not as
1: tangible we don't feel it as much. You know, the vertical integration of agriculture, which has been going on. I mean, I did a project about it in the 70s. So it's been going on for a really long time, but you don't see that. And it, you know, it's the thing that Steve Stratford is fighting against. He he does not want to happen to the beef industry. What happened to the poultry industry, where, you know, these people are essentially tenant farmers for major corporations. Yep.
0: Um, you mentioned something, Ruth. you said something food shows us our values, which you you touched upon just a second ago um and I I thought that was very poignant um and I was wondering if you could take that like I know it's 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 a, a very it's a sort of an I think a negative statement, obviously, but I'm wondering if we can try to look at it. Is there a, a positive also that we can take away from that sentiment of you know food shows us values and maybe, there is change hopefully coming <laughs> because of that, possibly? Oh,
1: definitely, because I think we have a generation now for the first time really in my lifetime, we have a generation of young people who understand that and who are making ethical decisions about their food in a way that no previous generation has yeah. done. You see it in um, you know, the increasing veganism, which is um, you know, most of this is not based on the fact that people don't like meat, but that they're understanding that the costs of the kind of food that we have traditionally eaten um are that they're huge and that they want to they want to actually um showcase yeah. the fact that they care about the planet. And and I think Global warming, which is the huge issue for kids, is it's so intimately connected with food that, I mean, I expect that we will see change now.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm hoping, but and that brings me to, sorry, Laura, did you want to say something about no, no, that? No, no, no. I was just going
2: to say, I think it's why, you know, we really felt, Ruth and I felt like it's why we wanted to focus on some of these subjects. Yeah really truly are innovators and you actually really see what their values are as you get to know them through the course of the film, what they care about and why they're doing it. And yes, they're business people. And those, those two things actually fuse together. Yes. Like there's now these sort of, you can't separate those things anymore, which is why an Angela Knuth, you know, is turning part of her crops to organic, not because she's worried about climate change, right? It makes sense economically yes 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 and i was going to bring her up actually
0: but um so so some of the innovators that that you do talk about uh you, you showcase in the, in the documentary including angela um Remastel, who, who in a different way i'm not sure i'm pronouncing her name correctly but the collective ownership which i thought was also a, a very brilliant move and um innovative right. um Brent smith for uh, farming kelp right and teaching others how to do that will harris the white oaks past white oak pastors so i mean and there i think those are just some that came to mind but um, um those aren't all young people though. Those are some people who just who've been around a long time and realizing they're gonna pivot and try to save their business or or their livelihood in some way and do it a little bit differently. Of those people, do we know how they're I am not gonna like I don't we have we don't have an hour here, I would probably get into it for an hour, but are are they are those pivots effective, successful? How, how are they doing? Do you know? Like
2: is innovation truly. Uh, making that difference? I mean, uh, you know, they're individuals and I think that they're not going to, you know, kind of revolutionize the food system on their own, obviously, but I do think that they're influential and people care more and more about those issues. And Arima Seal is, you know, the, the bakery space that you see at the end of the film. I mean, they're now under construction on that bakery space. Right. And, you know, also that's come from a lot of grants and subsidies she's gotten through foundations in oak oakland um but if, if that's successful maybe more people will do it you know yeah. i mean that's one small example and i know i mean ruth has thoughts on the fact that the re- restaurant industry is probably not going to change very much um which i think we can all see you yeah. know um but yeah i think I don't know, Ruth, maybe you want to take the rest of it.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, we, um, you know, I had not met most of these people in person and we premiered at Sundance and we brought them all out to Sundance. So we actually have seen all of these people recently and the changes that happened, I mean, all of these people not only saved their business, but, you know, one of the reasons that Laura, in cutting the film, really emphasizes that, they're all thinking about the future. I mean, it, it almost all of them end with they're talking about they're passing it on to the next generation Yeah, that, um, and that they want to do it better than their parents did and better than they have done it in the past. And, um, you know, I mean, a lot of it is the silver lining of COVID that um the Joneses, for instance, you know, who, um, say you know we understood we thought our our business was resilient because we had we were growing 24 uh 12 months a year and we didn't need to go to the banks for loans but we realized that we were only having one one kind of customer and that we had to diversify and they did do that and you know angela says at the end you know it's more than just they get more money for the organic grain that they're growing, that in fact, they are making their soil better and that they have something better to leave to their children.
0: Right, right. Yep. And so did uh, what the individual uh, farmer, the White Oaks Pastures at Will Harris. I think. Will Harris. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: He also seemed to have explained that it, it wasn't, you know, um, he made changes to his his farm, for I mean, it was primarily as you Laura sort of insinuated before. It was there's an economic reason. Financially, it it also made a difference. It wasn't just uh,
2: well. Was it it actually, I was talking about Angela. Cano oh, okay, okay, like, okay. I mean, for Will Harris, I mean, what he says in the film is the Canary in the coal mine was that was animal um, welfare. Okay. okay, okay. And it's not because he's a vegan. He just right. he just saw that his his cattle weren't healthy. And they weren't expressing their natural instincts, as he says, you know, and it just felt wrong to him. Yeah.
1: But he also is so proud of the fact that, you know, he's made a way for his gay daughter to actually come back and live in the community and that he's brought his dead community, you know, back to life.
0: Right. Right. It was a
1: ghost town and now it's a destination and And, um, and it's diverse in a way that, I mean, you're looking at. You know, the poorest county and one of the poorest states in the nation and they pay people well and they, you know, all these people come to see what they're up to. And he's having a real impact in that, you know, people yeah. come to learn to do what he does. What One yeah. of the things that
2: we weren't able to include in the film just because of time is he has this incredible foundation and internship program where people go and live there for weeks and months at a time and they learn about regenerative farming and they work on the farm. And many of those people, not, I think maybe half of them end up staying and become full-time employees. Wow! And you could see the group of people. I mean, it's an incredibly diverse group of people that, that you know, 20-year-olds, but up to like 60-year-olds who are like done living in the city and done working in an office. And, you know, I, I mean, it's so inspiring. And he's putting more and more energy into that foundation and to training, you know, future regenerative farmers that's amazing.
0: Um and by the way when I say that you know he might have done it for financial reasons I'm not saying that's a bad thing by the no, way. No. I think a profit and purpose to me meld beautifully together and that's really where um a lot of the work that I do is focusing on how we can do better but at the same time sustain yourself and sustain others. Um so yeah. I, and and just the last few minutes that we have I mean along these lines I was wondering you know when we look to the future um Laura you sort of mentioned that Ruth may not know if the restaurants are going to change. And I want to touch upon that. Do we think that we've taken away any lessons from what we've seen and what people are going through? Um, and maybe with the innovation out there, do, do you think that there's any possibility we'll have taken that long-term to make any long-term changes? Or
1: or am I being too idealistic? No, I think in in farming and in the way that we raise our food, I think there's no question that we we are looking at long-term changes. And I think one of the things that um, we learned from working on this documentary was that COVID really was a wake-up call for a lot of the people who raise our food. Um, you know, I, I don't think that restaurants will change. I mean, I think they're going to have to. Right. Um, but, um, you know, all the chefs I spoke to and and you, you don't see most of them because we chose to focus really on the people who raise the food rather than the people who cook it. But, um, all of them at one time said, you know, my restaurant will not go back to being the way it was. And they've all gone back to being the way it was. But, um, the business isn't sustainable the way it is so we will see changes it's just they're going to be different kinds of changes
2: with hmm. which we haven't yet looked at you mean which
1: we different. haven't yet looked at okay laura what
2: i do think you there think? are very few REMA seals out there yeah i'm just gonna say <laughs> are there more i was actually just gonna say that are there more I think they're there and... but i just don't think that's i i don't know yeah. that's again it's not my area of expertise but i
1: you know Although I have to say last night, you know, Marcus is one of our subjects, um, Marcus Anderson. And I went to his new restaurant last night and he has chosen to have a kitchen that is run entirely by women of color. And um, he said it's it's totally different than any other restaurant he's ever worked in.
0: Wow. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, and and is it well, doing? Women okay? are really
1: proud. They come out and they talk to you. <laughs> you oh, I love it. it.
0: That's it's great. Fantastic. Is it? Do you think he might inspire others? I mean, do you?
1: Well, that that change is coming. Okay. Um, in restaurants, definitely. Yeah. But it's not enough. Yeah. You know, it's you know as we heard, you know, there's now a, a woman has now been outed for being abusive to her her staff and just in the last week. Um, So I don't think putting women or even women of color in charge is going to, you know, be the only fix.
0: There's a lot more that needs to happen is what you're saying for there to be a true. And I guess like, we don't have more than a minute left, so I can't get you to expand on all those things that need to happen. so I can let that go, but there's more that needs to happen. But I think this is, this film really did, Highlight in, a, in a, an important way the issues, the challenges, some of the possible changes that maybe more people can adopt. Um, any last words from you, lovely ladies? Anything else you'd like to say? <laughs> well,
1: you you go you first. Go, you go ahead, <laughs> Well, I was just going to say that the, the, for me, one of the really heartening things was bringing all of our characters together, yeah, and watching them meet one another because when they had, none of them had met any each other. And we were there in Sundance for a few days together and they span the political spectrum, the gender spectrum. I mean, this, this is really um, looking at them all. You are looking at America and it was so heartening because I've always believed that food really does bring people together. And the way that these people bonded was just, it it was so heartwarming. I mean, they all became friends and they'll stay in touch. It, It was wonderful.
2: That's so nice. Laura? And I was going to say something similar, but Ruth just said it so much better than I ever could that I'll let her.
0: <laughs> be the last words. It. Okay. No, that's, that's wonderful. And and I was just going to say before uh, that one of the things I did love about the characters that they did span um, the political and other spectrum, which is so wonderful to see, because I, I tend to see a lot of things on this side of things Um And then it's nice to see that there's everyone that is working towards some change. And Laura, you were just going to say something. I was
2: just going to say, I think if you strip away all the political language from it, they all care about the same thing. Yeah. They all want to be sustainable, they want to have successful businesses, they want to do the right thing by their people and by their animals. And, um, you know, and I think that there's a lot of hope in that. Right. Yes. Thank you.
0: I did want to thank you so, so much. I really appreciate it. I know you have a lot of these interviews. So, um, thank you for your interest. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I appreciate it. <laughs> thank you, everyone. Thank so you. Nice. All right. Take care. Thank you for listening to In the Business of Change. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast to hear other conversations with inspired social entrepreneurs and change makers working on challenges in their communities and across the globe. I'm your host, Elisa Brinkman. Pee-